Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My Song Suck would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to the elders both past and present. Hello and welcome to My Song Suck, the show where we listen to bad songs from good writers. I'm Alex Smith and I'm a musician. I'm James Keogh and I'm the friend of a musician. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to My Song Suck. I'm uh, Alex Smith. I'm uh, James <laughs> Kehoe. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> and we're very excited to be back in the actual studio again for the first yes. time in a long time. What the fuck? Um, mm, some lucky D's in the biz, but we're back. And not only are we back in the studio, we're, we're back in the same interview that we were last week. We recorded <laughs> an interview on Zoom and it fucking ate itself up, but yum, we're yum, happy yum, to yum, welcome yum. back Gus Honeychurch. I'm back. What's you. going on? Hello. Thank you so much for coming back. What the fuck? Technology? Ah, look. <laughs> it's great when it works. A real bloody champ to have this interview <laughs> again. Yeah, straight up. Uh, been wanting to get Gus on the show for a long time. Also, uh, Group Chat yes. is your name. Uh, yes. We should we should be calling you Group Chat so people can be like, oh my God, it's Group Chat. Um, mm-hmm. Been wanting to get Group Chat on the show for a long time. Uh, and we did, and then we didn't, <laughs> and now we have again uh, in a way that will hopefully stay Hopefully this, this was, was it. we just wanted to to talk with you again, Gus. We, you know, <laughs> inverted commas. Oh yeah, we definitely lost the recording. Uh, we just wanted an excuse to talk to you again. You're so you're so cool. Oh, uh, honestly, guys, it's my pleasure. You know, so nice we're doing it twice. Why not, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's let's manufacture a lot of uh, moments again <laughs> and act like they are they're happening for the first time. No, it's fine. I'm not yeah. remotely close to outer stories. We'll have fun. <laughs> Although you I also have forgot us... the whole last episode, so it's fine. Sure. <laughs> I've uh, got fifty you... first dates disease. Go on. <laughs> you have actually brought us a new song though, so that will be oh yeah original and genuine. Mm. Mm. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Who you are as an artist first? Sure. Okay. Uh, my name is Gus. I uh, r- perform my own music and produce other bands under the name Group Chat. I'm based here in Brisbane. I've been, you know, making records and working in the pop rock sort of area of music for about. I don't know, 10 years now. Hmm. Um, Group Chat's only a recent name, last several years, but, you know, I have my own music. I've done, you know, some some stuff around that, but mostly I've just really enjoyed working with a few names in the local sort of Brisbane music scene and just helping people have a good old time with their own music and also just slipping my own stuff in there from time to time. Hell yeah. Yeah. Very nice. That was a good elevator pitch. Yeah. Ready to go. (laughs) Ready to go. And, uh, and what's this song you've brought for us uh, today? So the, in the Forgotten episode, we, we dived into a song <laughs> from an EP I did in 2014, just on a whim with my friend Andy Liang. And I, I do need to dive in here again and say that the song we're about to hear is not a reflection of the skill level of <laughs> the other member of this band, uh, Andy. 
He is. He was a talented musician then. He's a talented musician now. He was 100% just following uh, me into battle on this one, and I appreciate it greatly. This is definitely my song that sucks, not Andy that sucks. <laughs> I want to stress that. But yeah, this is a song from a band that I was in for one summer called, uh, the band was called Fight Your Heroes, and the song is called Three Cheers for Apathy. And I also want to say to anyone listening, it is a five and a half minute song. So if you're on Spotify, there's that little skip 15 seconds <laughs> forward button. It's right um, there. You're, you're completely forgiven. I haven't been able to listen to this all the way through yet. So let's do it.
man, that was three cheers for apathy. <laughs> there you go, Matt. You, you look like you've been tortured. That was five minutes of my life. I'm just never getting back. <laughs> God, I'm I'm actually sweating. I'm going to take this jacket off. Give me it. My God, man. See, I I thought that was really good. I was jamming for sure. Yeah, I don't understand. I just oh look, that was essentially a really badly produced five minute version of Skater Boy. <laughs> right. Interesting. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what I was going for with the lyrics. I just think I really wanted to have that big pop punk epic, and there was mm. just like, you know, all enthusiasm, zero skill. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, oh, just, just hurts, just hurts me. I think it hit, like it, it obviously hits the mark of the pop punk stuff. It feels like it's like a Blink song or whatever, just like maybe stretched out you know to five but like it hits all the, the beats of it and there's that bit where it like sort of ends but then there's like the breakdown comes back blah 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 uh yeah it was just like a, a it hits all the marks and then version of yeah a... it hits all the marks and then hits them again four more times <laughs> yes <laughs> it makes me think of uh sonic the hedgehog oh no <laughs> sonic <Please>. fucking slaps <laughs> oh goodness yeah look i mean some of the guitar was okay I yeah. suppose that's that's the redeeming thing is some of the guitar playing was like pretty good, but everything else was awful. And we talked about this in the Forgotten episode, but I can't <laughs> stand the vocal production on this EP. <laughs> the microphone is backwards. Hell yeah. When I recorded this EP, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I did the entire thing without realizing that the microphone it was backwards the entire time, which is why in that first verse you can hear me just screaming trying to get a good take is because i think this is probably like the last song that we did and i could not for the life of me figure out <laughs> why it just sounded like this and it was just excruciating and then yeah last day we, we finished we went to pack up and everything was the wrong way around that's the secret sauce man <laughs> turn your mics the other way yeah inside a tip guys turn your yeah. turn your microphones backwards to sound like group chat you heard it here first <laughs> all the time what you're saying this was like a really good mic too like this oh is like yeah a really yeah fancy this, mic. this is like like in terms of like quality and price well above what right. i would use today in the studio to get like a good <laughs> final take it was a really good mic and it was just not used properly and it's a it's a cry and shame mm. this show has warped my sense of quality and skill <laughs> Because people keep bringing in all these songs, and I'm like, yeah. this is so much better than anything I could ever make in my entire life. I, just, like, <laughs> I gotta say, like, I, I, I said this last week, and I need, I need to say it again. I need to emphasize that I don't know how you've done four seasons of this, Alex. Like, <laughs> I, this is my second episode, and I am depressed. <laughs> like, this is, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I think, I guess, I guess lyrically, um. Lyrically, this song isn't as bad as the previous one that I showed you. Um, it is, it is, it's got some serious soft boy energy, I think, where it's like, mm, the girl doesn't like me, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> like, but it's like, yeah, exactly like that. That was, but like, I think overall, you know, maybe if, if it was better produced, first and foremost, if it was better put together in that realm, maybe, and it was like two minutes shorter, maybe, mm. but ugh. I'll give you that. But goodness gracious, just just not this version. Just in no world. I, I'm curious because there's a definite point where it feels like the song is over. Mm. And then it keeps going. And then it keeps going. What was the thought process there? Uh, I think it was a distinct lack of thought process, actually. Because, <laughs> ah. like, 
I, I, I looked up the EP again. It was actually five songs and we did it over um, about 60 hours of work, a lot of which was trial and error because this is back when I was still figuring out a lot of stuff around certain aspects of production. Which way does the mic go? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> exactly. Which way does the microphone go? How do I sing? period like how do i do that <laughs> mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. how do you do how do you make drums that aren't an electronica beat all these sort of things um and uh, i just don't think it would have even like crossed our minds that the song was too long because mm-hmm. i think at the time we were just a lot we, i don't think we were con- like a big overarching problem with these songs is that, that there was not a lot of consideration to the idea that people were actually going to listen to them mm. and they were actually going to have an effect on people <laughs> mm. in any way yeah so the fact that it was five and a half minutes long didn't really occur to us <laughs> in the slightest we were like yeah it's fine what, what's wrong with five minutes song <laughs> one, one question i have is because obviously you're now a very accomplished producer you've been you've been producing everyone in the entire world around <laughs> brisbane making some very awesome stuff group chat as a project is amazing i, I love your stuff and everyone should go check out group chat on Thanks, spotify man. and the, the various socials and it, it seems that you're very harsh on yourself and your past stuff, mm. uh, I think, because you now have this knowledge. So what would you now, like, obviously, there's some stuff where it's like, oh, I'd tweak, you know, I'd, I'd have more 440 hertz here and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, in like a big sweeping thing, what would you do to improve this song now? If like a, a person brought you this song as a demo, what would your producer brain be like, all right, here's how we're going to fix it? Uh, first things first is I would say go back and rewrite it so that you can perform it on an acoustic guitar in under three and a half minutes. Hmm. Like that is your absolute limit, like three and a half minutes. Any longer than that, get out. Why acoustic? One of the things that I've seen time and time again working with people, not just in Brisbane, all up and down the East Coast, uh, it's a very common problem that people sometimes have an idea for a song in their head and they don't actually make it a kinetic idea in the real world before bringing it to a like you know a quote unquote professional saying they want to bring it to life, mm. and it's so so important. Like your brain is your brain. And ideas that work in your brain, sometimes, no matter how sure you are, will not work in the real world. And Mm. this song was heavily conceptualized, like within Cubase, Mm. which I think is a lot, has a lot to do with why there's so much, you know, guitar wankery (laughs) and (laughs) it's just all over the place. And I think something like this, the first thing I would go back and do is is write a version that I can sit down with a guitar, put a timer on, play it and trim everything back. It should be like with everything trimmed out, it should be like two and a half minute song Hmm. and go from there. Like that would be step one. And then it doesn't need a guitar solo. It also doesn't need a lot of the instrumental breaks it's got. The lyrics could be better. I get a live drummer. Like I I could go on and on and on, honestly. (laughs) Like Mm. there's, there's, there's so many things. Why is there synthesizers in it? Why? I don't hate the synthesizers. I mean, I don't hate them, but what (laughs) is the purpose that they serve type thing? Like, I think, because especially with this pop punk stuff, some of it's, some of it's very over the top and very lush in its production, especially like bands like Neck Deep. You look at some of their like later stuff and like, there's a lot going on Mm. and it's cool. But, um, you know, we were obviously trying to be, uh, Green Day or Blink-182, 100%. Um, why, why did we think that there needed to be synthesizers in it there's it's <laughs> anyway yeah yeah like it's 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 a yeah i could rant forever about how i would want to make this a better song but <laughs> that's that's the short <laughs> list that's the short answer is actual practical application before going into the studio hmm. that's a very good tip yeah. a, that was a good vein of conversation yeah oh mm. yeah 
100%. Curious, leading up to kind of making this album and and working with your co-conspirator and so forth, Mm. like what were your musical ambitions at this point? Were you wanting to make it big in the pop punk scene? Was that the goal? I think this, this actual EP... Was, was was this is actually interesting with this with this one because when I decided to do this EP first of all I never really decided to do this EP it just kind of formed um, sure. but I was 19 I was still living in my hometown um, and the, the classic pop punk story really <laughs> <laughs> I was in my hometown I hated it um, and I had just gotten out of my first serious relationship and it all come crashing down and I had to move back in with my mom I was a loser by pretty much every degree and so naturally I just started writing songs with my production like my recording equipment that I had at the time which was nothing spectacular by any means I just started doing it And then I got one song and I sent it to my friend Andy, who was, you know, doing better than me. Mind you, he had stuff going on at the time, but he was pretty much in the same boat. He wanted to be be a rock and roller or whatever. And Mm. we were both still just stuck in Townsville. And so I said, you know, come on over and let's let's see what we can do. And then an EP just kind of formed. And it was it was a weird one in that, like this was the first time, you know, in the time that we'd known each other. I feel that we were trying to make something that like was not meant to propel us to stardom instantly. You know, we finally kind of like started the very long process of like getting over our egos, even even though the songs are terrible and extremely self-indulgent and Mm. in some instances even like hurtful. But even though that was the case with this, it was the first step in not taking ourselves so seriously and just doing something for the love of it, which is honestly with music in my experience that's just the first step into becoming an industry professional is mm. just start doing yeah. it because you like it and then yeah. just keep doing it i mean you can definitely hear at the very least that like passion and the actual like dedication to okay we really like pop punk we mm. want to do this pop punk song like you can tell that this isn't just yeah a manufactured song like you, mm. i could see it being very much like a piece by piece you know we talked about the synthesizers that came in before like Mm. if this was going to be you being like all right this is going to be the pop punk album that we make and it breaks into the mainstream like Mm. you probably wouldn't have taken that kind of risk Mm. you probably wouldn't have done something outside of that i think it definitely shows that you guys were just having fun with this yeah i think it's it's interesting because the these songs obviously like in my eyes the songs themselves age like milk but I really enjoy that we did this and it was definitely the sort of summer break that I needed at the time. And I do remember the whole experience very fondly. Like Mm. we used to do these, there were big studio days at the time. There were 12 hour studio days by my standards these days. That's nothing. Um, (laughs) But like, yeah, we would do the big, these big days and then we would stop for lunch and then we'd maybe have like a break in the afternoon where we would just go and kick a football around and just talk about like, what we're going to do, what Mm. period, like how we're going to skin this cat of like being a professional musician. And we would just kick a football around in the field across from my house. And the whole thing is an extremely fond memory for me. And I think that's the part that makes it the entire thing worth it. This whole thing is not without a silver lining. So what happened to this band? Because like if there was a band in Brisbane putting out tracks like this, Mm. Like they should have done really well. Well, you know, honestly, um, I, I covered off on this a little bit when we when we talked about this before, but I have always had these sort of two loves that I've always tried to bring together. And they're definitely more playing hand in hand now with my current sort of production style. And honestly, it was probably what I was trying to do with the synthesizers. Now that I say it out loud, um, <laughs> I 
have this rock world that I'm a part of, but I also have this love for electronic music and the two have always run parallel to each other. A lot of my life I've had two aliases going at the same time where I've tried mm. to do both. And group chat was the first time when I was like, stuff that, I'm going to do them both at the same time. Mm. And yeah, I just, after this sort of occurred, Andy actually moved to Brisbane very quickly out of high school. I He may have actually already been living there and this might have been his summer break. I'm not too sure, but... He was not living in Townsville for much longer after that. Andy now works as a full-time musician down in Melbourne. You know, oh, he does oh podcast wow. podcast editing and hey. all kinds of stuff. So nice, he's, nice. he's definitely, you know, found his own way with this stuff as well. And he does mm. his own music as well um, and has had a lot of amazing opportunities and stuff. And we've, we've remained firm friends. But uh, when it came time to do more stuff our schedules just never really aligned honestly after high school it's it's been hard to get us in the same place at the same yeah. time and even though i love the style of music the other thing about pop punk if you're making it in this sort of caliber and where it's like very quote-unquote purist is that there's not actually a lot of wiggle room to push and poke and prod especially mm. when you're trying to build a fan base and you're just starting sure. out like you may be if you were to do something like this as your first release for a project you may be locked in to do just straight pop punk for like two eps and two albums before you can sort of start like trying to do your own thing yeah, case in right. point blink 182 yeah. like mm. um and that is of uh, the idea of being cased in creatively is terrifying feel that <laughs> yeah that's that's something I've always wondered about the pop punk scene specifically because to to a, an unseasoned listener who doesn't listen solely to pop punk, one could say that a lot of pop punk bands sound very similar. Mm. I know I used to, well, I guess I am still friends with them, but I have friends who used to slash are still in <laughs> pop punk bands, mm. and to my ear, they both sounded exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And they both they both sounded like watered down versions of each other. Like mm -hmm. the names were even like mm -hmm. you know tree forest. Oh, this is our band Wood. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. Wood Branch, <laughs> um, and they always sounded like watered down versions of Blink One Eight Two. So like, is it possible to be a pop punk artist and not just sound like every single other person, or is that kind of a thing? You know, or is that just my ear? You know, I am not listening to it properly. I think it's a matter of how close you want to get to that scene. So mm. if you were the kind of person who, and I was this person at one point, if you are the kind of person who's listening to, you know, exclusively pop punk and other sort of pseudo similar genres in that vein, it's obviously going to be a lot easier for you to sort of pick the different bands and their, their unique spin on it apart. But mm. Definitely in the last 10 years of that genre, it's actually become very much its own sound. Mm -hmm. And it's a style that a lot of new bands try very specifically to adhere to. Yeah. Because, you know, when you think back to the idea of like the early bands that were sort of pioneering the sound of like Green Day and Blink-182, they're the two that we keep coming back into. Yeah. So they were literally just taking punk rock music and making it more accessible mm. and let those cards fall where they want, you know, let that, let that just be the way that that happened. Mm. And the sound that they landed on, they honestly, they're too wild. When you listen to their early stuff, they're wildly different bands. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're super, super different. And they, they were quite different for vast majority of their careers, uh, but it got to the point where people kept trying to refine that sort of sound down more and more and more and more. And, pull certain elements from other genres like you know you, you, there's the classic trope of you know the heavy metal drummer in high school who wanted to join a metal band but all the kids wanted to play pop punk so you get a metal drummer in a pop punk band that's yeah. how we get our 
like now what we consider modern pop punk drums, which is just dressed up beat downs and mm. so on and so forth. Right. Um, it's now very much its own sound and it's very much leading its own charge. It's sort of become its own beast, which is why, because it's such a specific sound, so many of these bands seem to sound the same. Mm. Um, but the thing is, if you like that sound, great. Yeah. You've got a huge, huge pool to dive into. And it's even more exciting when you can find a band that's doing that and then doing something different that is like even to the casual listener, setting them apart. Yeah. Right. Well, you mentioned the sort of the two worlds, you know, that you enjoy, the, the mm. sort of pop punk or the performance side. And then there's also the electronic sort of DJ stuff. Is there shared DNA there or what is it that sort of compels you to to both these sides of music honestly i got my start in performing with you know other people in projects that weren't associated with high school basically Mm. Uh, i started in punk bands i started in pop punk bands you know we were covering bowling for soup and you know a bunch of other classics um forever the sickest kids um Mm. even like you know your classic pop goes punk covers we did we did the lady gaga cover the whole nine yards (laughs) and that was a lot a lot of fun and i fell in love with that and i was always first and foremost you know a guitar but I think the thing for me was I was like 14 when dubstep became a thing Mm. like Mm. I was right in the thick of that like what was supposed to be catching my ear and right back then especially as a guy who was already meant to be recording well performing music not recording it at that age but dubstep was like black magic Mm. like (laughs) we couldn't understand how these guys were making sounds from a laptop that was suddenly heavier and more violent than the heaviest heavy band we could go and see at like the PCYC on the weekend. Yeah. Right. They, they had outdone us. They, we were outgunned in pretty much every capacity and we could not figure it out. Mm. And so I wanted to figure it out. And mm. then that, like you think that the pop punk rabbit hole is expansive. Wait until you get into <laughs> VSTs and mm. synthesizers and, you know, all the different styles of EDM and all the different like little subgenres and black holes that can just suck you in. And my mom bought me a copy of Native Instruments Massive when I was like 15 and mm. some really bad, like a really bad Sony Acid digital audio workstation Mm, nice. and that was it like i when i wasn't at band practice i was at home taking my favorite youtube clip and using it as a sample for a terrible dubstep (laughs) drop and (laughs) they kind of just spiraled out of control in parallel Mm. nice yeah i have all these fucking pop punk questions fire away go for it go for it no please well i'll try and do them quick okay do you think (laughs) that four chord songs should be avoided because I'm trying to write no. pop punk songs and I, they all end up being four chord songs. No. Oh, I see. This is advice. This is the advice portion of the show. I'm a musician Alex. and I'm asking questions and there's audiences <laughs> who are also musicians who also probably want to ask these questions as well. If mm-hmm. you can write a passable four chord song, good for you. If you can write a good four chord song, congratulations. Here's a Grammy. Hooray! That's my answer. <laughs> like you, it's, yes, it's been done a million times, but that doesn't mean that it can't be done again. Yeah. What makes a song pop punk instead of pop or punk? Well, it's like I said, the the pop punk sound now that it's been refined down over all these years is is very much a specific sound. Now you can look at you know bands like The Story So Far, Knuckle Puck, Neck Deep, guys that have been leading the charge in that sort of sound for the last decade or so, and it's a very identifiable sound. It's neither pop nor punk. It's yeah. pop punk. It's a completely separate entity. What are the essential elements of pop punk? If you had to just fire them off. Um, Hate your hometown, have a couple of toxic ex-girlfriends, 
uh, drummer that would rather be in a metal band and hmm. potentially a substance abuse problem. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, drums, <laughs> bass, guitar, and I'll some, work on that some good vocal harmonies and so on and so forth. It's it's pretty it's pretty stock standard. I think that's all my pop punk questions. <laughs> I'm glad I could help. <laughs> I'm sorry that I did it. That's uh, all right. <laughs> there was a good sort of thread, a good vein that we found last time we had this discussion. Mm. And I, I hate to keep referring back to the forgotten the episode. episode. Yeah. The forgotten episode. But I did want to touch on it again and and couldn't find a good segue into it so mm, i thought i might it. just sort of fire away you know, just jump into it let's talk about the business side of music because that's oh, something yeah. that we talked about a lot last time oh I yeah, think, yeah, some yeah. Really good, absolutely um you know observations on i guess the way we found our way into it is that mm. if you had to go to school now you wouldn't do it for music you would do it for business so why why is that yeah absolutely so for me just with with my personal experience with working as a musician i have learned a lot of things the hard way case in point the song that i showed you at the start you know backwards microphones um quite uh, problematic lyrics uh infighting in band i've done it all like mm. i've made all the mistakes I, or at least i've made an appropriate amount of mistakes for the amount of time that i've been doing this and as a result of that i find myself now at a point where certain people who have you know gone to university in you know, at UQ and at the con have told me that, you know, you may find some benefit in going to school for music, but for the most part, for you, it would be more of a uh, networking opportunity mm, is to mm. just be around more like-minded musicians, which is an exciting idea in and of itself. But for me personally, if I was going to go back to school for something like this and dedicate that kind of time, I'd want to make sure that I was getting something out of it that, that like wasn't going to miss. And one of the biggest shortcomings of my musical career uh, so far is a lack of business sense. Mm -hmm. It has always been the thing that has shot me in the foot. It's the reason that I've undervalued myself as a performer and as a producer for years. For years, I would just work for free. Because I just thought that that was just the, the done thing. And I was 100% happy to race everybody else to the bottom. Back when I was living in Townsville, that was just how I operated. And it wasn't until I started, you know, interning at like proper studios and seeing how actual industry professionals valued their time and priced their skills to people that I realized that like you actually have to put some authority to your own name if you if you actually want to make this a career that you can right. actually pay your bills with. Yeah, so I, I definitely have like a conscious incompetence of the business aspects of, you know, music. So if I was to look into a degree, it'd probably be a business degree first and foremost. Mm. And I know I'm not the only one too. It's, right. it's extremely common from what I've seen, you know, uh, musicians struggling with this stuff because you know we're artists first and foremost yeah. the last thing an artist wants to do is start thinking about branding or marketing and press it's right. very not rock and roll and so people try to avoid it but that is the thing that costs them i i guess if i could say one thing on it you know in my very limited experiences that like you know if you don't want to be that guy that is dealing with that then be ready to outsource mm. everything and be ready sure. for it to cost you money to yeah, hire yeah. someone who has done the business degree but yeah <laughs> right because i guess there's also just yeah a certain level of street smarts that you have to have and i mean you mentioned that the stuff that you sort of learned the hard way so i guess it's sort of for those who you know maybe didn't get the opportunity to really sort of hit the grindstone early and and mm. yeah they wouldn't there'd be a bit of naivety that they'd end up getting beaten out of them at a certain point in their career mm. absolutely yeah. yeah i'm very fortunate to have finally crawled after like however long doing this um mm. i'm very fortunate to have crawled to a point where i'm at like 
conscious incompetence level where mm-hmm. I can sort of mm-hmm. sit here on a day-to-day basis and just say, I know that I don't know what I'm talking about mm. a lot of the time. Whereas a lot of people can very frequently with the business side of the industry, just kind of walk around with their head in the sand mm. and be like, oh, I don't know, mm. I guess I'll sign a record deal at some point and yeah. that'll be it. I'll go straight to the top. Right. Um, and you, if that happens to you, great. Uh, call me and tell me how you did it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, normally it's a lot more than that. You mentioned uh, during the Forgotten episode that you signed up to a, a record deal and you got fucked and oh, they yeah. disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, several times, several times. So yeah, with the uh, with my DJing with the DJing side of things, I signed away intellectual property and uh, masters over to record labels uh, multiple times when I was sort of starting out because I thought that that was the done thing to do in that time period is that it had to go on a label because yeah. of course it did it, when in reality it wasn't actually bringing all that much to the table i probably could have just done a little bit more research and done an independent release yeah. and it would have been just as good if not better but like when you give that master to somebody and you sign it over to them in a legal contract and they own that now they own the finalized version of that song it's theirs and then the problems began to arise you know years and years down the track when i would look up these labels purely out of mule, like morbid curiosity, just to see how they were doing and maybe see if I could get the masters back from them, revise the contract and see if like, you know, and that way I can put it in some sort of like archive for myself or, or, you know, something. Uh, And like these labels had folded. The EDM boom was over. There was no number for me to call. There was no way for me to reach out to these people to reclaim this lost intellectual property and this was the danger of you know small labels in like 2014 this was the sort of thing that you had to watch out for is because all they really needed to do was get a distribution license for like beatport and they could say that they were a label and it could be anybody and they're not really doing that much for you and these are these are the kind of hard knocks that you learn when you don't Mm. go to university for music first and foremost i have two questions regarding that Mm. As uh, <laughs> number one, who the fuck do you think you are? Now, um, number one, <laughs> as, as someone who's completely ignorant of law, what's to stop you from just fucking doing it? They ain't around. Fuck them. Yeah, well, like- you know what? That's so true. That's so true. But here's the thing. It was, for me personally, it was my own, my, the, the only thing that was stopping me was my own negligence. Mm. I was trying to get a hold of them. Of being like, hey, do you still have those masters? Because I don't. Oh, uh, they're okay. long gone from my hard drives. You know, that computer... I don't know, fell in a creek like six years ago or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, so that was the reason that I sort of started chasing that up. But you're right. If I still had them, mm. then the short answer, nothing. Can you buy them off Beatport and then sell them as your own? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, haven't, I actually haven't even looked if, if they're still up on Beatport. I was, I was like, yeah, maybe. But there's also like automated licensing stuff. Uh, so actually true. I have a beef with Sony over cool. this because I got a couple cool. of friends who are trying to use group chat songs on their Twitch streams that keep getting automated takedowns and yeah. strikes against these no songs way. and then they have to keep contesting them because Sony thinks that it owns Everybody Loves by Group Chat, which is bullshit. Are you signed up with a distribution label from Sony at all? No. I'm on I'm on I'm on DistroKid, baby. I'm completely independent. Sony hmm. stepping in. What the fuck's that? It's just an automated algorithm, and this Dang. is the problem that I would face. I I imagine if they if they have done the right thing, then there may be an automated algorithm I would have to face by redistributing my own music. Because if it gets taken down and I get a strike against my name on some social media platform, I can go, "That's my song," and they can go, "No, it's not. It belongs to Hestia Records in Germany. They signed it in <laughs> 2014. It doesn't belong to you." And I'd be like, "Yes, it is." And they could be like, "Prove it," and I'd be like, "Well." 
<laughs> I actually can't, but you're just going to have to believe me. I guess my other question is, what, if any, reason is there to sign up to a record label in the modern day now? Honestly, it really depends. Um, the, the, the big question to throw at you, group chat. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 I think the main thing that the classic reason that you would get a record label, to my understanding, and bear in mind, I'm the one without the business degree here. So like, <laughs> but the, the classic understanding of it is if you are a musician who does not have a lot of money, then potentially you can sign to a label um, and they will pay you an advance that you can then take and use to make a record. Mm, and then they will right. help you. Once you give them that record, they will help you sell that record, maybe, or it'll have to go through another distributor. Maybe the record label knows the distributor. It doesn't matter. They'll get it out to the people somehow and they will make that money back by selling the record. And this whole just hinges off the label being like, yes, we think we can make that money back and make some money off of this because we think you sound good. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously the big catch there back in the day was that if you sign that record label and they give you X amount of money, then you need to give that money back mm. before you mm. do anything else. And this is why you get, you know, horror stories of people from the 80s who signed a six record deal and then proceeded to put their entire advance up their nose um, hmm. or in their arm or any other drug of choice. Um, yeah. And that's where problems begin. Yeah. Um, and you start fighting with labels. But um, yeah, so that was the original reason. And that was before the decentralization of music studios. It became a lot less gatekeepy. We've had like the renaissance of the home studio in the last like 20 years. Yeah. Right. So now it's a lot more of like a support system thing. In my mind, a good label would be if I was really, really stuck on something, but I wanted to do something cool, I could call them and be like, you may not have anyone for this, but do you know someone who can maybe help with this? Like yeah. if there was a particular industry mm. thing I wanted to achieve then a label might be someone with funding who could come on to make that happen. Right, we're in the renaissance of the home studio age, but like that just means that attention is such a commodity and I feel like a label sort of would also get more eyes on you if they can sort of use that sort of network or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot to be said for, you know, an independent distributor. Release mm. it on your own little, give it your own little name, put it out on CD Baby, Distro Kid. And then instead of maybe a record label, if exposure is what you want, maybe you can hire a PR manager or something to True. that degree. Otherwise um, around that for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of things that a, a record label can do for you, but there's a lot of other industry professionals that can help you achieve certain things. It, yeah. it doesn't mm. all just run through a record label. I feel like we're getting towards the end. Mm. I can start yeah, asking the fun sort of ending down. kind of thing. Chilling out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess... What piece of advice do you wish that you, Gus Honeychurch, mm -hmm. had received when you were just starting out? Honestly, circling back to the song and how it was sort of the process of like getting over our own egos, like, you know, by getting the five and a half minute songs out of our system and mm -hmm. just honestly just being wankers so that we could learn how to not be wankers mm. um, further on down the road. If I was in front of that guy now, I would just say like, dude, you, you've got to get over yourself. Like mm. the best musicians I know are professional, but they still don't take themselves that seriously. Mm. There, there's, there's no place for ego in this industry. There really isn't. There really, really isn't. If you're, if you're difficult to work with, you won't get worked with. Mm. The best way to become, you know, any semblance of like a quote unquote rock star is to stop trying to be one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's good advice. That is good advice. James, do you have any... Any questions? Any, any, any of those kind of chill wind yeah. down questions? Mm. Yeah, they're nice. 
I suppose moving forward, you know, now with the knowledge of all the years behind you, what's what's your goals in the future? Honestly, I kind of find myself in a weird position of power, you know, for the first time I've got this I'd say pseudo successful solo project that I've got going on that Mm. more than anything, I think for, especially with, you know, the song that will end on, I imagine, um, you know, with, with everything there, it's, I feel like I've got a lot of respect from like my peers, Mm. um, which is something that, you know, I've always been, you know, respected by the people who have been happy to work with me, but I definitely feel like I can sort of stand tall and be proud of my achievements as a musician and as a producer for the first time. Just in these last two years, that's sort of come to fruition. I'm I'm really like unapologetically proud of what I'm doing at the moment. So Mm. moving forward, Mm. um, honestly, the short answer is I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, and I'm going to have yeah. a really, really good time. And I really just hope that I get to keep meeting awesome people in the Brisbane scene and working with them as much as I can and writing the best songs that I can make and honestly just doing it because that's what I'm doing now and I'm loving it. Hell yeah. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so I'm also sponsored by McDonald's. Um, good. I know. So, you know. McGroup chat. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Um, so, well, so it... It's bloody spooky dookie Friday the 13th. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Um, twice. F- twice. <laughs> yeah, it's been great both times, honestly. I can't believe that we, we hit every single word, word for word, the same it as it was, was last yeah. scripted. We'd written it all down. In that, that did. I'm so glad we had that transcript ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very real performances, everyone. Mm-hmm. But where can people find you give yourself a, a big spruik this yeah, is yeah the plug the yeah. pitch uh okay so uh, you can find me on instagram facebook tiktok other socials at hey it's group chat you can give us a follow there depending on whatever you're more partial to please go listen to the song that you're about to hear now it's called just breathe it's featuring the amazing late november it was a real pleasure to work with them um they're an amazing band and Alex is an incredible vocalist. If this is coming out on the 13th, I mean, yes, what are you talking about? It is the 13th. You can listen to some of my latest production work. I did the mixing on the new Slutwitch record called Dead Birds. It is out yesterday, so you can get amongst that. They're a fantastic Brisbane hyperpop group. What else? Let's see. No, that's all I got off the top of my head. Go do those two things. <laughs> nice. Very good. I can also vouch very much for group chat. I've wanted to have him on the show for so long. Really good stuff. Really good, like, pop, rocky, theatery kind of stuff. Definitely mm. go check it out. If you're like, what song do I listen to? Uh, Trainwreck was the <laughs> song I listened to that got me into him first. And I had a uh, great fun making the advert for... Everybody Loves. Everybody Loves. I would love mm. to get you back to do another one of those, by the way. I, I enjoyed would, that immensely. I would love to do another one. They're <laughs> lots of fun. James, do you have anything to... To plug? Well, I'd like to plug the show that you're mm. listening to right now. Oh. This is My Song Suck. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at My Song Suck. You can follow us for updates on episodes as they come out and where you can find the guests and so forth. So do check us out. Give us a like and a follow. Yeah. What about you, Alex? What do you do? Mm. Well, I clean floors for a living for 22 hey. years now. <laughs> Uh, but when I'm not doing that, I'm a musician. I'm called Your Man Alex Smith. I've got a Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, if you got no money, check it out on Spotify. If you do got money, check it out on Bandcamp. If you got more money, check me out on Patreon. I just released an album called Slow Burn. It took me four years to make. What the fuck? It's really good, I think. Mm, it is really good. I just had this mm-hmm. animated music video from uh, the Tales of Elethrion team, Scald. 
they have the Tales of Elethron series on YouTube. It's really good. It's a cowboy thing. It's animated. It's 2D, traditional animation. Fuck yeah, definitely check it out. For the love of God, fuck. It was so much work. Please, Christ, listen <laughs> I, to it. I have the, um, I have the um, design stills for Align, the Align music video, the drawings. I have those on the wall in my home studio. They're Hell awesome. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Thank Complete yeah, with so the, the spelling mistake. Go <laughs> 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 go team. So good. Yoo-hoo. I think that's everything. I think that's about it. Yeah, thank you. Thank so you so much. much for coming on again. My pleasure, guys. I've <laughs> wanted to do this for a long time. I'm so happy that I got the chance. Thank you. Hell yeah! Mm. And this is just breathe. Nothing but the throwbacks on my feet to cheer me up when I'm down.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.